Well, uh, hello, Life Church. It is uh, good to see each and every single one of you with us this weekend. My name is Jeremy, and I am the campus pastor over at the West Campus, and I've got the privilege of uh, bringing this weekend's teaching to you. And so I want to say a real quick welcome to our West Campus. I hope you're having a great morning, and those watching online with us as well, uh, they're going to be viewing uh, this service. And so uh, would you join me in welcoming our West Campus and our online campus? Very, very cool. Uh, the, the message that I want to bring this weekend is just very simple and straightforward. I, I hope you'll uh, realize that it's something that really resonates with me, and it's just simply this, this message of family, of wanting to talk about family and the value that we place upon our family. And uh, family is one of those buttons we all have, right? Whether we choose to acknowledge that or not, we all have a family, we all came from a family Family is a button we all have. Do we? I, I hope that we're willing to make that acknowledgement. Otherwise, this teaching is going to go a little rough uh, here uh, this weekend. And so family is a button we all have. And uh, two, I do want to say thank you to some of you who have treated me as family um, just this weekend already and have noticed that I dressed up this weekend. And I'm just thankful that unlike skinny jeans, you don't have to be skinny to wear a skinny tie. And so thank you for those who apparently think I look not as good every other weekend. I appreciate that. Um, it's, it's okay. We're family. We can make comments like that to one to another. And so, uh, so family. Um, and here's something we get at Life Church. Um, there's not probably very many of you who stay awake every Saturday or Sunday night uh, wondering what sermon is going to be preached the next morning. Um, right? And we get that. We're okay with that. But I will... Uh, if I was a bet man, I would bet that, that more often than not, if you're going to stay awake at night wondering what's going on, you stay awake at night wondering what's going on with your family, right? If there's something that keeps us awake at night, it's our family. And how are we doing? Where are things at? Are things in check? Uh, are things healthy? Am I messing my kids up? Is my, are my parents okay? You know, what, all these different things that we can have, all these different thoughts that we have about family. And the reality is that within every family, there's an X factor I don't want to get too mathematical or, or geeky on you here too quick, um, but in math, if you go old school here, there was always this deal where you had to find out the value of x. 3x plus whatever equals this, and now you've got to figure out the value of x. And every family has an x factor, and that x factor is so important to figure out because that's the great multiplier of life. That if your x factor is, is positive and a whole number or whatever, that it, that it actually multiplies the things that happen in your family. It multiplies joy. It multiplies love. It multiplies, um, you know, the good things that happen in, in your family. If, you're, if that, that x value is less than 1, it's, uh, it's divisive and, and it's not. It doesn't exactly multiply uh, the things that happen in our family. So every family has an x factor and it multiplies all the good things in our life. And it also has this wonderful ability to multiply the not-so-good things in our life that we sometimes experience in family. Uh, we make this acknowledgement as well is that we understand that sometimes family is funky. Okay, I, I'm, I got some grins and some nods there. Family can be funky. We all come with different backgrounds, different experiences. Um, and preparing for this, this weekend, I, I had some fun looking at some different quotes. Uh, one of them was, family is like fudge. Uh, mostly sweet, but you've got to look out for, some, for the nuts. Um, family can be like that. Uh, we may not have it all together, but together we have it all. That's a great little family model that, hey, we may not have it all together, but in the context of family, uh, we have it all. Uh, Tammy, our senior pastor's wife, tweeted this just the other day, said, a happy family is but an earlier heaven, right? Isn't that a good thought? And unfortunately, an unhappy family, that's like an early 
Moving on. Okay? It's important that we understand that God designed family. Not only does he design us for relationship, um, but he designed us for family. He fleshed out the relationship hole that he created in each and every single one of us. He, he fleshed that out by placing us in families. Psalm 68, 6 says, To the lonely he put in families. God designed families because he understood that there was an influence unlike any other that family members could have on one another. God also understood that within the context of family, you can affect generations. All over in Scripture, Old Testament, you can see where there's a generational implication based on the decision that certain family members make, and it, it's basically a three-generation impact that you see. And so some of you, you live in the unfortunate reality of decisions that previous family members have made that you now have to correct and, and right the wrong, and some of you, you're paving the course for family that will come after you that's a, a, a course of blessing. And there's implication uh, upon family. And Jesus himself, right? Jesus himself was born into family. Um, in fact, there's great detail that goes into uh, the lineage and the way in which he was born and how he was born and the place in which he was born uh, because it all mattered. None of it was by mistake. It was all a fulfillment. And in the very same way, you know, if family was good enough for Jesus himself, I just want to remind us that family is good enough for you and there's absolutely no mistake the family that you've been born into at the time you've been in, born into it. Scripture says that, uh, that there's, nobody has been born of the decision of man, but that every person has been born of the inclination of Jesus Christ. And that's what it means to be a child of God, that however jacked up my family may or may not be, I'm still a child of God, and I'm still always a part of his family. And so what I simply want to remind us of is that while we can't change our families, we can change our attitude and the action in which we take towards our family. And that's really what I want to kind of drive home this weekend. They give us some values that, yeah, we can't change our family. Try as you may. Some of you may have explored that. I would encourage you not to. Um, but try as we may. I, I, I can take a different attitude. I can have a different perspective. I can look at my family and know what my role is. And, and rather than throwing stones, I, I can decide to, to help build my family up. What I want to do is look at uh, John 10. If you can go ahead and turn in your Bible to that, uh, verses would be on the, on the screen as well. Uh, but we're going to look at verses 27 through 30. And uh, the context of this scripture is kind of funny in that there's some Jewish leaders and they're questioning Jesus. Uh, they basically don't believe that he's the son of God, which kind of sounds weird to play like, who's your daddy with Jesus, right? Um, but they're doing that. And so Jesus, he, he kind of has this rebuttal with them. And he says, hey, the reason, you know, I've already answered this question. You keep answering, you keep asking me this question. I've already answered this question. The reason you don't understand my answer is because you're not part of the family. And so this is the verses that we're going to look at. And from that, I'm going to pull out uh, five values that I think every family should have based on the response that Jesus gives to these people who don't believe that he's a son of man. Uh, looking at verse 27, it says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall not perish. No one will snatch them from my hand. My Father who has given, to me, given them to me is greater than all. My dad can beat up your dad, he's basically saying. No one can snatch them from my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And I just want to break that passage down and give us a few nuggets that we can take home and, and apply. First thing that he says is that my sheep listen to my voice. I want to translate that basically to say, make God the center. 
the best thing that you can do for your family, and I know it sounds so Sunday school the answer, but the best thing, the absolute best thing that you can do for your family is make God the center. Making God the center is really an issue of authority. That is it my family or is it his family? We've, you know, we've seen baby dedications. Maybe you yourself have dedicated, uh, dedicated your children. It's for you as a, as a parent to remember that that child is not your own. You get a time, you get an opportunity, you steward life. Can you believe that God trusts us with life? Isn't that amazing? <laughs> the scariest day of my life was three days after Carter was born, our first child. And they're like, okay, you got to go home. What? You're, you're going to let me take this home? Are you, are you sure? <laughs> Do you know what you're doing, right? <laughs> uh, but we need God as the center of our family. And it's an issue of authority. And that who's really calling the shots in your family? Because I know as parents and as family members, right, there's no shortage of opinions or ideas or philosophies of we should do this or try that or whatever. We need to hear God's voice. And it's an authority issue. What I want to say about authority is basically that, especially in the context of family, it's an under before it's over uh, principle. You have to be under authority before you can ever uh, be over. You have to put yourself in a position of hearing God's voice before you will ever have a voice to lend to your family. It's important that you understand that. We ought to know the voice of God. In your family, does your family have the confidence that when you speak, you're not just speaking your idea, you're not just speaking your philosophy, but you're speaking what you've heard from God? And as you, uh, as you submit yourself to the voice of God, uh, that, when you, that when you speak up, um, other family members take, take notice because you, you know them and you trust them. I'm, I'm thankful. I have, I've had this experience, and it was kind of an awkward one at the time, but I'm very appreciative for it now, where I had a cousin of mine, uh, where we were, Laura and I were in the, in the process of getting married. It was a, a wedding shower that we were actually at, a wedding shower for us that we were at, and my cousin pulled me aside, a family member, an extended family member, pulled me aside and said, hey, can I just talk to you for a couple minutes? All right. Um, and he's somebody who was older than me, and I respected and all that, and uh, he just really started nailing me on, hey, do, do you know that Laura's the one? How do you know that Laura's the one that you're supposed to marry? And he just like leaned in. And I'm like, hey, we're at my wedding shower for real. Is this really the time or the place you're making me scared? Um, but because he had authority in my life and I knew that he was doing this, not just because that's not his nature, but I knew that he was doing that under the prompting of, of Jesus Christ. I, I entertained that and I listened to it and I heard it out. And when it was all said and done, he said, I just want to make sure because he, he had recently himself been through a divorce. And just said, hey, I just want to make sure. I wish this was something somebody had done for me. And so I just wanted to hear God's voice and lend my voice to you and make sure that you knew that you knew that you knew. Nothing against Laura. I think she's great. And I, I think she's great still to this day as well. The best way, let me just give you a practical thing. The best way that you can make God the center of your life, it's basic, it's old school, is just simply family devotions. The best way that you show in your family and to your kids and to others around you that God is the center is just simply family devotions. My family, I'm big on this. We do like New Year's resolutions. And so we sat down with our kids and I always like to ask them, okay, what were some of the favorite things we did this last year? And it surprised me. It shocked me. One of the favorite things that we did this last year was they love, they love family uh, devotions in the morning before school. It was one of their highlights. It was one of the times that they got to see that that God was a part of our family. We prayed for each other. We opened the word of God. Uh, we just did some simple little things like that, and it meant the world to my kids. So it's important that we hear God's voice. We make him the center. The scripture goes on to say that the sheep listen to my voice. It says, I know them. 
I know them. The next value that I would encourage you, you in is just simply to know each other. I know, again, that sounds simple and straightforward, but to know each other. The reality is, and I've got 10 years of youth ministry under my belt, um, and so this is, I can say this with a pretty great deal of confidence, is that I think a lot of families are growing up experientially rich and relationally poor. Meaning there's no shortage of awesome things that we can do with our families and take our kids to. And there's nothing wrong even with having a great experience. But an experience is only as good as the people you get to share it with. And if you don't get to share it with people that matter, then what's the point, Right? So I would encourage you, get to, know, get to know your family. That just requires extra understanding, extra patience, extra creativity, all those things that we in and of our own self and nature don't really like to exhibit for others, but it's your family, and so it's worth it, and it counts, and it matters. I know that families know each other because families can tick each other off like nobody's business, right? Come on, there's, there's a little giggle snickle there, all right? <laughs> Uh, when, when you want to make somebody mad and you know somebody well enough, you know exactly what to say. <laughs> and so it's not an issue of as families, do we know each other? It's do we know the right things about each other? Can we build each other up? Can we equip each other? Uh, knowing each other is so important because in every family, there comes a, uh, a point where correction need take place. And maybe you've heard this statement before. It's a great statement. Uh, but correction without relationship breeds rebellion. Correction without relationship breeds rebellion, whereas correction with relationship, it garners respect. In parenting, more than ever, family, more than ever, requires partnership. It requires relationship. It requires, again, those extra things that we sometimes think we don't have time for, but in the context of family, we have to realize that it's worth it. How do you uh, get to better know family members? This is just kind of a little bit of... Um, Family 101, maybe. Uh, if you have, if you have uh, kids, if you have boys, the best ways that you get to know boys is you do things alongside of them. Uh, my dad and I love to hunt. We love to play basketball. We love, there's a bunch of things that we love to do with each other. My dad and I do not necessarily like to sit over coffee and, Dad, tell me how you're feeling. What's really going on? You know, let's, come on, let's, let's dig in. Uh, that's not going to happen, all right? So if you have boys, which I don't, I have three girls, which are a blessing, tremendous blessing to my life. But if you have boys, you do things along, alongside of each other. If you have girls, girls love face-to-face -face interaction. And so that simply means grabbing the coffee and talking. My, my daughter, Carter, if I could spend an hour every night laying down in her bed with her and just letting her talk, uh, she would, that, that would be the cat's meow. She would be in heaven. She would absolutely love that. And so you just do things face-to-face. -face. It's a basic, simple little principle that can maybe help, help you better get to know, help you better understand uh, a family member. Uh, I would just say, too, entertain the lost art of conversation. Um, this is, I, I was reading an article recently, and it, we've now reached a point where we text more than we talk. Look at your cell phone bill next time you get it and see how many texts you've sent versus how many minutes you've spent talking. Statistically speaking, they say across the nation, uh, more people now text than they do talk. And 80% of people have their cell phone within 10 feet of them 24 hours a day. Can you believe that? The lost art of conversation. Go on a date, find a family gathering, do something to that effect, but just entertain the lost art of conversation. And I think a really practical way in which this is fleshed out is family dinner. Again, for those of you who have kids, you know that school... 
that, that the other S word around our house that, uh, that, is, that is starting uh, very shortly. School's about to start, and, and it, it's about to get crazy. And, and so just driving a stake in the ground saying, hey, we're, we're going we're gonna to have a family dinner. We're going to make sure that as crazy as a week may or may, may not be, we're going to have family dinner. There's going to be times where we come around the table and we talk and we ask each other, and the table's a safe place to talk about anything it is that's going on in your life. Another value that it says, so it says uh, that the sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and it says that they follow me. They follow me. It's just simply here is practice biblical values. In your family, practice biblical values. They follow me. They know what it is uh, to be an obedient Christ follower. They've gone through Life Track 201, which we just did this last Wednesday. They know the essentials of what it is to be a Christ follower. They know what it is to be a disciple. Discipleship is caught way more than it's taught. If you want members of your family to have an everyday kind of faith, then you've got to be able, you've got to be willing to lead them every day in searching Jesus Christ out. We're, um, we're entertaining, or we're making some, some changes with some of the things we do with Life Kids and some of the programming and no longer doing a midweek service because we really want to, uh, we really want to reinforce this principle um, that, that honestly it's the parents' responsibility and privilege of being the spiritual champion of their kid. So we're making, I'm going to read this to you. Parents, do you know that with your kids, uh, you have about 3,000, statistics say you have about 3,000 hours uh, a year with your kid. When you take school and all these different things, uh, that parents, you have about 3,000 hours a year uh, with your kid. Church, uh, as a church, we have about 40 hours. When you take absentee, you know, nobody has perfect attendance. We understand that. We get that. But the church has about 40 hours a year uh, with your kids. And so the responsibility and the privilege is really where it should be with those who have the most relationship and the most amount of time uh, with parents. Never before has the church and the family needed each other more. Let me read this to you. Uh, Nothing is more important than a person's relationship with God. No one has more influence on a person's relationship with God than a parent or a family member. And no one has more influence on a parent or family member than the church. That's one of the most healthy models, one of the most healthy constructs uh, that we can do to best disciple, to best learn how to not only ourselves follow Christ, but make sure that we pass on what it is to follow Christ uh, to other family members. 95% of parents believe uh, that they're responsible for the moral formation of their child. Kind of makes you wonder what the other 5% are thinking. I don't know. Um, 86% of parents believe that they're responsible for the spiritual formation of their child. Only 20% of parents in church say that anyone has taught them about parenting. And I know this to be true, that 100% of parents want help, are open to, dear Lord, help me make sure that I, that I raise them up, that I train them up in the way in which they should go. Every parent needs a church reminding them to be the spiritual leader for their family. And so I want to encourage you, let your family catch you, catch you following God. Catch you serving, catch you praying, catch you doing devotions, catch you doing little things that are really important to you. And maybe they're personal and they're intimate and they're things that are, you know, they're just kind of a you and a God thing. I'm not saying every time you need to, oh, oh my, you know, the kids get home from school and oh, I was just anointing the house with oil and doing my devotions here this morning. Um, but, but let your kids catch you. Let them get those little glimpses in which they realize, oh, my, okay, my, my family members know how to follow Christ. And if you're here and you don't have kids or, you know, and you're, you're, you're single, 
just find a way to work Jesus into conversation. Let others know that you're following him. Now I'm praying for you, or hey, on my devotion today, I heard this verse, and it was really great. I just want to share it with you. I would encourage you to resource yourself. If you're going to follow God, especially in the context of family, because family is funky and it's changing, and there's just different stuff going on all the time, I would encourage you to resource yourself. Uh, online, there's more resources ever uh, than to pursue and to look at. I, just one that I would pass on to you is familyfirst.net. Uh, I, I subscribe to this, to this email. It's a, it's a, uh, there's, they have all pro dads and iMom, and they have a marriage uh, portion, and you can just simply go to that, and it's solid. It's good um, teaching and instruction and encouragement. Um, familyfirst.net. Going on in this passage, it says uh, that I will give them eternal life and they will not perish. No one will snatch them from my hand. My Father has given them to me and he's greater than all. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. What this is, is this is in the family. This is offering security. Offering security. It says that I will give them eternal life. The greatest thing we all want for our family members is the security of eternal life. Uh, I just want to say this probably rather poignantly here, is that raising our families right is not an option because heaven and hell are realities. And think about this for a moment, that the only earthly possession that you get to take with you to heaven is family and friends. The only earthly possession you can take with you to heaven is family and friends. You offer security when, in the context of your family, you show that relationships are worth fighting for. Not fighting about, but fighting for. Uh, when we fight in families, which does happen from time to time, I just want to encourage you to fight for the heart. Fight for the heart. Don't fight for the win. Don't fight to be right. Don't fight to whatever. Fight for the heart. Because if you can win a conversation, then you can lose the war. You may, you may be right in this situation, but if a kid walks away, a kid walks away. So fight for the heart. There's a far better long-term effect when you fight for the heart. You offer security in your family when you forgive. Families will sin against each other. Period. Scripture says all have sinned and fallen short. And so families will sin against each other. Be quick to forgive. I like to say I'm too lazy to, to carry a grudge. <laughs> And so when things like that happen and people get upset and they want to beg for forgiveness, man, I, I try to be as quick to you as you can to forgive. And if you're, I'm ever going to encourage you to be lazy, be lazy in the grudges that you're going to choose to carry around against other people. You offer security when you love unconditionally, when there's no strings attached, when you make a conscious choice to love, even when you don't feel like loving. Everybody has a family member that is maybe a little extra grace required. And you have to choose to love through moments that potentially lots of extra grace is required. You offer security when you throw parties, when you celebrate. When there's good things going on in your family, throw a party, acknowledge it, encourage it, reinforce it. Whatever you reward gets repeated. And so when there's good things going on, throw a party quote that I found was that if you want to build a great family, fill it with forgiveness and joy. If you want to build a great family, fill it with forgiveness and joy. And I know in a, in a room like this and talking online and to West Campus uh, that there's people that, um, 
that the whole topic of family rubs a little wrong because maybe you've got more unsaved people in your family than you do saved people in your family. And there's parents who have sons and daughters that have maybe walked away from faith. You offer security when you just leave the light on, when you let them know that there's always a place. And I still love you no matter what. I'll care for you. I'm praying for you. Leave the light on and have hope for those individuals. Next thing to operate in, last value to operate in that I'll throw at us is just simply to operate in unity. It says that I and the Father are one. I want to encourage you to be a stubborn family committed to working it out no matter what. I know we've made this statement before that if you're married, divorce is not an option. Make every effort to remove even the word divorce from your vocabulary. If you have kids, kids hearing just that word will freak them out and put them in a tailspin. So be stubborn, be stubborn to work it out and to never walk away. I'd encourage you in family, when things feel funky, lean in. When things feel like it's not right or something's off, don't back up and wonder, huh, I wonder if this is going to work itself out. When things feel funky, lean in. Understand that unity is tested the most and hopefully strengthened the most when we go through difficult times. Specifically, again, with, with parenting, there's three things that they say are the most uh, important uh, for a child in, in the development of their faith. Number one is that they grow up in a Christian home, which has the implication that they become saved at a young age. Secondly, it's a child having somebody else uh, that is essentially speaking the same language as their parents. Uh, parents, we've all had that, that moment when somebody else says something and their kid, your kid thinks that's the greatest idea and you just want to be like, I've been saying, I, that's what I've been saying. I said that all along, but somebody else says it. And, and so, but who cares? The greater good is accomplished. The third thing is just uh, that, when, uh, th- that, every, that when, as a family, you face a faith-stretching experience, they, they see how you respond in those moments. And so God says we won't perish, which isn't the promise that it's going to be easy, It's just the promise that you won't perish, but when you go through those difficult moments, know that you've got family members watching you, eyes wide open to see how it is that you're going to respond in that moment, and that helps build them up in their most holy faith as well. So where do we begin? I mean, I I give us a bunch of practical things that we can can look at and evaluate. I I just want to encourage you with your family as you walk away from this weekend experience um, to do something different this week. I would encourage you, begin with the end in mind. Start with the end. Where, where, does, where do you want your family to be? Where, what do you want your kids to turn out to be like? Begin with the end in mind and begin to back up from there and set some goals and, and look at it from the context of what's my role in this process? Whether I'm singled, whether I'm a grandparent, whether I'm a parent, whether I'm a teenager, whatever it is that I am in that family, everybody has a role to play. And so begin with the end in mind and examine your role. I want us to understand that in family, we create the lens through which, uh, other, through which other family members will, will view family, will view faith, will view marriage, will view all these different components of life that happen in family. We create the lens. <laughs> this is kind of scary to think about as a parent myself, that I'm, I'm establishing in my kid's life, in my girl's life, I'm helping establish what's going to be their normal. I don't know that we're all that normal sometimes, <laughs> Right? But I'm helping shape what it is that will be their normal. And ultimately, 
potentially be something they end up pursuing in their lives. That's the power and the influence and the generational impact that family has. At the end of the day, it's not about how cool your family is, how fun your family is. We did this, we did that. At the end of the day, it's were you faithful in your role as a family member to open the door that God could do in your family what only he can do? Did God do, does God do, did God do, will God continue to do in your family what only he can do? And I know it's a cliche statement, but it, it puts it in good perspective. No one gets to the end of their lives and wishes they would have worked a little harder. Every single person, and as a pastor, I've been in the room and I've had these conversations where people always go back to family. I wish I would have spent more time with my family. I wish I would have loved more. I wish I wouldn't have been so hard. I wish I would have, you know, whatever it is. Man, when we get to the end of our life, we find out what really matters most, and it's family. And so may it not be said of us that it took us to the end of our lives to find out what really mattered most. I'll wrap up with this, just reminding us of the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah felt this burden. And the burden came from the fact that he was looking at a city, and it wasn't just any city, it was his father's city. And his father's city, his father's city, it lied in, it laid in ruins because the walls had, had, had been torn down. The walls had, had holes and things and whatnot um, that, that were wrong with it. And the, the families that were within that city, they were in, experiencing turmoil. They were in grave danger because without walls, they were unprotected. They could, you know, things could happen and it wouldn't be good. And Nehemiah responded uh, to that burden. And he went there and he, he rallied the troops and he got people uh, excited and, and working. And, and literally, they had, to, they had to rebuild the walls. And, and in one hand, they had to hold a shovel for the building. And in another hand, they had to hold a sword to defend those that were still trying to attack there and loot their city. And isn't that sometimes what family feels like, right? I'm, I'm trying to build and I'm also trying to defend constantly all the time. And what he did was he positioned people in the openings of the wall with a shovel and with a sword, digging a ditch. We're going back to that again. Um, but, but he positioned people in those openings, and he, and he inspired them by placing their family behind them. And so the spiritual leaders of their homes that were standing out there with the shovel and the sword, he encouraged them, and he inspired and he motivated them by saying, remember, you're fighting for your sons and your daughters. This is worth it. This is a big deal. You're fighting for your sons and your daughters. May we be the kind of church, may we be the kind of individuals, may we be the kind of families that fight for our sons and our daughters. In our families, in our church, in our city, in our communities, and around the world. That's what we believe God has called us to. We believe that the local church is the hope of the world. But the local church is only as good as the strength of the families that call it home. So I want to encourage you, make family a higher value in your life for whatever season it is that you find yourself in right now. I want to just close this up in a, in a word of prayer. And I want to do something just a little bit different. Uh, why don't we have everybody stand up, uh, West Campus and, and in Germantown. Uh, because we're talking about family I just want to give you the opportunity that as I close this up in prayer, that if you've got a family member here, that you would avail yourself to them. And if you want to make a little circle where you're at, make a little circle where you're at. If you just want to grab the hand of the, of the family member next to you. Uh, but I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. And um, I can only preach so much and I can only say so much. And it, it fleshes out in your home. And so I want to encourage you 
to flesh these principles out in your home that you might be a family that serves God forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are good. And God, we know that you know us better than we know ourselves. And God, we know that, uh, that you designed family. God, that love and joy would be complete. And God, that we might have influence over one another and ultimately point people to you. So God, I pray that you'll help families here in whatever situation, whatever scenario they're in, however good life might be and however troubled and trying life might be, God, I pray that you would help families to rise up. God, that with you as the center, all things are possible. And so God, I just pray hope and encouragement and blessing over the families under the sound of my voice. God, we ask that you'd be Lord of all. God, we ask that you'd give wisdom where there is not wisdom, God, that we simply just humble ourselves and ask. God, help us to put this sort of value and esteem on our family, God, that you, that you put on your family. So we love you today. God, we ask for your help today. God, build us up and encourage us. In your name we pray, amen and amen.